now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse podcast listeners. This is your hosts, Dan Harshman and Austin Young for session 11 of Black Firehouse podcast. So let's let's get one thing, I think, uh, out of the way before we really delve into this episode. Um, Austin and I are are unfortunately busy people, so we are trying to get the podcast out uh, every Tuesday, but obviously we have had no luck in, in that regard for the past few weeks. Um, I know I, I, I've started a new job, so that's, that's taking this and that. And then I moved where I'm recording my podcast into my bedroom. So I can't record too terribly late or then I'm, uh, you know, waking up my wife, which is definitely not fun. And then Austin, you've been, you know, just busy spending a lot of time in uh, your workshop and things like that. Yeah. And losing track of time. And, you know, when you get in yeah. the groove of stuff, you start, you know, you, you lose track of all time. And, and then you look down and suddenly seven hours have passed and you're exactly. like, Oh, so like yesterday we, we were supposed to record this episode yesterday and I'd even checked with you earlier in the day. You still good. Yeah. All right. Sweet. And then I look at my phone later that evening and it's like oh my god it's like almost nine o'clock his time there's no way we're gonna be able to record <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so this is uh, it's not, my bad everybody sorry um but like still like you know we're we're just two guys uh with real lives outside of this but i'm i'm pretty proud i mean session 11 dude that's pretty good because you and i are both also notorious procrastinators oh my god and it's weird because this is the one thing that I'm sort of like halfway proud of. <laughs> I'm, I'm and I'm I, more than halfway proud. I'm a hundred percent proud of of what we've been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna work harder to like you know grow it and get more listeners and and make it bigger. But I'm also like, but that's a lot more work. <laughs> and I just it is a lot of and, work. And right now I'm like, uh, do either of us have time for that? I don't know. We're just gonna wing it and see, I guess. I, I think winging it is definitely the best way for us to move forward on this. Um, I mean, and how that, that's such a Ghostbuster way to go about it too, right? Let's just wing yeah. it. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, let's just see what happens. I mean, like I have the absolute utmost respect and appreciation um for for like our friends over at uh yes have some who are, are not only consistent with their shows but then have like mini shows and and micro shows and segways and patreons and even even our our buddy you know uh brock and and mm -hmm. jessica and Bo um over at the the alabama you know bama geeks yeah podcast they're, they're they're more consistent than us. I mean, I guess it helps that two of them like live together, Bo and Brock. Yeah. So you're saying we should live together? <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to move here, because no, 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 we're gonna meet in the middle. We're gonna find a, a an unrelated state to either one of us, and we're gonna build like a replica firehouse. I mean, I'm we're pretty live sure. It. What's what's in between Virginia and Oklahoma? I think there's a lot. Be a cornfield or something. 
Dude, I want to build the Egon farmhouse out here. I'm going to do it someday. You know, um, on that little trip my wife and I took, there was a few times where I saw farm houses that were collapsing in. I was just like, no, Egon. <laughs> oh, my God. I drove by uh, a house in some random ass neighborhood the other day. I don't even remember why I was in the neighborhood. But they had like a shed in the backyard and the roof was caving in exactly like the barn in Afterlife. And I was just like, I need this shed. I It's a it's a it's a mini replica prop. I need this. I'll pay you five dollars for it. Come on. Give it to me. Anyway. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I had heard a rumbling somewhere that the exterior of the barn set was a found item. I thought everything was designed and built for Afterlife. Now, apparently the barn was a real barn that they found. And, uh, and they just had it transported, like they disassembled it and reassembled it on on site where they shot the film. That's incredible. That's incredible. Could you imagine? You know, you're you're out in the middle of nowhere, and Hollywood shows up, and they're just like, "Hey, we we want to pay you for your dilapidated barn house." Yeah, I'm curious, like what they even pay for something like that. You know, I mean, it, it's got to be way more than it's worth. Oh God, yes! But then you I mean, you, I, you turn I, around, you think about it, and it's like, but after it's become a you know a screen used movie set, then its value is almost priceless, right? Right. I I'm I'm assuming though what they paid for it was probably cheaper than building it. Yeah, I mean it would have to be in order to to make it worth it, I guess. Because I feel like that they they could have built it as well. Just taking a bunch of pictures and just done it from scratch. Yeah, but uh, still fascinating and uh, and actually kind of related to to Ghostbusters as a whole. Well, at least the origination of Ghostbusters, the firehouse in in particular, and how we see the firehouse because they they did that as well when they they widened. Um, I think it was Broad Street right next to it. Is it Verican Broad? Don't ask me. I'm not from New York. Oh well, excuse me. I have no idea. <laughs> Ghostbusters nerd. The the when uh when Hook and Ladder Eight went from being a two bay to a one bay. Yeah. Um, they demolished one side of the firehouse, but they didn't demolish the street side of the firehouse. They they left that intact and then picked it up and moved it over to where the demolished side was and and kind of put it back down to to widen that street and man that's that's back when city projects were were real engineering feats now they're just like ah just knock it down see what we'll build build something else yeah and i only recently learned that it was it was like you know double the width it used to be oh gosh, uh, I, I think it some fantastic photos i think it was it. i think it was ben king made a post somewhere and i was like of course ben would know this and <laughs> oh yeah ben ben is as as interested as i am in the origins of the firehouse and him and I have shared some really fantastic photos, you know, vintage photos, antique photos of the firehouse um, from the early, you know, 1900s and everything during uh, tax examinations of the city. It's, it's really cool. Um, and it's interesting um, how many iterations that firehouse has gone under uh, just from going from double bay to single bay to even door changes. Like I know the doors that they have on it right now, I think a lot of people thought was more of a nod to Ghostbusters when in actuality it's that they are a nod to the uh, turn of the century doors that the firehouse hot had on it after 
its configuration into a single bay. Hmm. Um, they're almost a replica, you know, except they they don't open out. They're not barn doors anymore. It's a it's a fold up door. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing when you see it in person for your first time. And it's like, oh, but it's still cool. It's still cool. It's still cool. So let's see. Is there any any cool prop news going on right now? Is there any major runs or I don't. I don't really think there are. Nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, um, we had those really great announcements from from Max Factory. Um, and then uh, it's kind of been quiet on the prop front. Everybody's just working on projects. Yeah. Um, but have you had your eye on any projects that people are impressing you with? Not really. I'm a bad person. Um, I haven't. Oh, no. I haven't paid any attention. I've just been focused on getting this pack finished. And uh, oh gosh. So well, I I have one. We've touched on it before, but he's finally completed the project. So we're gonna we're gonna book it on forward. Oh, well, I didn't know we could. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. You remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me. You got. I'm gonna take back some of the things I said about you. You you've earned it. My favorite thing to do, Austin, is interrupt you with sound effects. That's fine. You should do it more often. <laughs> I think, like, some of the first episodes I even, like, edited it and clipped it so that it sounded like I was interrupting you with sound effects. <laughs> that's fine. Like, we'll get you a whole soundboard for Christmas that's just nothing but just kooky sound effects that you can constantly interrupt me with. Applauses and boos and fart noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what I was going to um, say is I didn't know we could double up. Because I know exactly who you're going to pick. Who? Uh, I don't remember how to pronounce his last name, but Mr. Chad just finishes yes. uh, his uh, gorgeous Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Yes, thank you. Yep. Um, that. Oh, my God. That pack is beautiful. It's gorgeous. And you know what? One of the reasons why it stuck out to me as as what was interesting is we, we actually touched on um, his particular kind of build last episode in which uh he even goes through it in his build thread on spengler's 1984 workbench that he has elements of basically all the packs there Mm -hmm. um you know he spent a lot of time replicating the interior of the pack which the only real interior that we have aside from uh ken hugel's semi-hero is of the superhero interior yeah so we can only postulate what the other proton packs look like on the other side um but he did a you know that amazing reconstruction replica of the interior of the superhero pack but then he notes that in his project that he switched whose pack he was going to do throughout the entire build so he ended up with this really kind of cool amalgamation of just his favorite details from all the other packs but it still ends up being this really just gorgeous gorgeous ghostbusters one pack um and he's finished it and i think that deserves a shout out because i yeah <laughs> how, I... how often do do we finish projects well has any project ever really finished i guess that's the big question because we're always tinkering and upgrading right so it's yeah that's true, when that's I, true I think really. he even says in his thread <laughs> that it's been what nine years in the making yeah even and and, I, and, he, and then the most relatable thing he said he's like but like five of those i didn't touch it at all and i was like yeah right. that's exactly what we do we buy something we like dive head first into it for a little while and then we set it aside and then we get distracted by all this other shit 
And then we finally circle back around in, you know, five to ten years. Yeah, which I think deserves another shout out for Jack Dowd, I guess, has uh, started redelving into his um, Ghostbusters, the video game Proton Pack. Yeah, which I've gotten to see Matt's and and Matt's is almost kind of like a prototype Mm -hmm. for for Jack's build and Matt's video game Proton Pack, of course, um, I think it was maybe the the second one ever built in the community because the first one. Um, was built by Wayne Newmeyer, mm-hmm. and uh, that thing was just absurdly light. And then, and then you know, Matt comes sacri- along. Matt comes along and builds this backbreaker of a pack. But we're talking like custom aluminum fabrication pieces, parts, lots. Of, if they could find what they were basing their real world counterparts off of from the video game, they found them. They bought them. They did an incredible job of building Matthew's video game proton pack. Um, but Jack's proton pack was always supposed to be something a little bit more. And, you know, I've gotten chances to, to see it in parts and it is a, it's a juggernaut of a build that Jack has always had planned out for it. I mean, we're, we're talking actuators that are making it, you know, the fins pop out, um, I don't know if he's still going in that direction, but he he recently put up a, a light demo just looking for opinions yeah. on, you know, replicating even more so the the look of the lighting in the video game. Because as Jack said, it's not actually lights. It's just images that are changing. Um, and there's a little bit more of a, a jitter or a stutter with it. And he's replicating that on on the lights so that even when it's finished, the lights on his video game pack will have more of a video game quality, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I really dig the, the jitter that he's programmed into those lights. And I think even Mikhail said in the comments that it, it just makes everything seem that much more unstable. Yeah, <laughs> which I, which is yeah. I mean that that's totally the vibe you get off of it when you look at it. It's like is this is this thing about to explode? And I, and I think that's uh, that's something you want your Ghostbusters props to give off is the idea that they could explode at any second. I mean that's how I like to be when I'm out in public. Like, hey, this could blow up. How are you? Yeah, doing well. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, it's a really cool effect, and I, I it is. I'm assuming he's going to go with it. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the whole setup looks like with that with that effect applied. For sure. And uh, it, again, it's a juggernaut of a project if he's going in the direction that he originally set out back in, I think, 2010. Um, well, is, and, you know, you know, I've seen some people in like the 3D form um, designing... Uh, like the crank generator and you know all the the fins that pop out there's like designing all that mechanism and stuff and you know i know people wanted to do that back when the video game first came out but you know i mean that's such an undertaking and so much it's custom fabrication and engineering electronics yeah and engineering it's it's way above my iq well it, but now with like 3d printers and all that stuff that stuff's so much more attainable and easier to accomplish than it was 10 years ago and you know at some point somebody's going to be the first person to make 
a video game pack that basically does every function like it does in the game. And that's going to be jaw dropping. Well, and the nice thing about 3D printing is it's so bloody light. Yeah. You know, the so but but on the other side of that, Jack's not a 3D printer. He's a scratch builder. Yeah, he's and... always been a scratch builder. You know, styrene and a and a exacto blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm not sure if he's going to start incorporating 3D prints into his build or not. Um, I mean, I mean, it'd be it's more it impressive if he doesn't. Way... Yeah, it is of <laughs> course more. Imp- well, I know he's capable of not having it in there. Yeah, uh, but for even just weight's sake, 3D printing on a video game pack is is kind of a godsend. Yeah, but don't you want it to break your back when you put it on? Like, it's a heavy pack, you know. Just just mats. I can't imagine the same the same construction methods as Burkett's pack, um, but with all the additional lighting power and uh, servos or motors and everything that would have to go into something that actually can roughly transform between modes and then you get into the complications of well is he going to make the cyclotron pop when it vents or -hmm. is this just a pack that's simply transforming its modes which i mean either or is incredibly impressive it doesn't matter if you do both or just one that's super super fucking cool i mean like you and i've said many times that's one of those things where you find somebody like when, when it comes our time to do this you know, we find somebody that can do it and we pay them to do it for us. <laughs> exactly. But Jack does not work <coughs> on commission, so oh well. But buy his pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's yeah. pickles. They're delicious. Um Well yeah, so those are those are some of the community highlights. Definitely um I think I need to spend a little bit more time this weekend seeing what's going out there. My my vision has been tunneled a little bit just from from how busy i've been outside of the internet mm-hmm. um so i'd love to take like maybe an hour or two this weekend to to just really see all the different builds that are going on out there um yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same boat i haven't you know i barely even got on the workbench and check things out lately i've just yeah. been so busy trying to get these other projects finished and <laughs> you know. I mean, and then I had uh, a plumbing emergency earlier this week, which definitely threw everything off kilter. So, yeah, which like, you know, main waistline backing up water coming into the house. Not fun. I do not recommend. Are the props safe? Everything's safe. OK, good. Everything's safe. And our plumber was awesome. Uh, it, it did not financially ruin me, which I was very worried about. Um. But, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fixed and, you know, life goes on. But uh, let's uh, so you're you're you recently posted some pictures of your proton pack that you're working on, mm-hmm. which is the Phoebe Spengler pack. So let's let's get into that. Let's uh, let's talk about that. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. Austin. Yes. Tell us about your Phoebe pack. How's it going? It's going. It's it's almost to the point where I can start painting. Um, yeah. I had parts at the welders and 
took some over well he couldn't work on them and i i wasn't about to leave him there <laughs> right for stuff to get lost so you know it, unfortunately it was at that weird point in the process where without a lot of the metal parts and bits and stuff uh, there's not a lot i could do to the shell i had already gone through and done the weathering the scratches and stuff that were added to it mm -hmm. for afterlife so it was just kind of like my hands were tied a little bit until i could get those parts back which is why i was able to start working on that stunt trap uh yeah and i made How's some good coming it's going it's coming along i got the handle back it's welded it's installed uh the whole thing is assembled minus the uh the wheelbase and the the doors I've, i'm still trying to figure out exactly how i want to make the doors removable um or rather how i want them to attach and i've got to cut out a bottom plate piece of aluminum to put over the wheelbase uh, i'm going to make new axles out of aluminum for the wheels and then i should be pretty good to start painting it um oh and i picked up some aluminum to cut the side plates and stuff with very fun well that's exciting and yeah. you uh but your phoebe pack progress looks great you posted you. some photos of that um and it's that's that's nice to see uh coming together and getting to that point of paint, especially since nice weather is starting to pull in. Yeah, for sure. Because it's, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm usually a one or two coats of black kind of guy because I like how it weathers down when you don't do more than that. Yeah. But the, with this one, I think I'm going to go three, four, five coats um, just because I don't want. I don't know. It, it's a different kind of weathering on, on the afterlife packs. And I feel like. You know, your base coat needs to be a lot more durable because the way the afterlife weathering is done, it's all dry brushed on top. Right. So your your weathering is your final layer. Yeah. So you're not taking, you know, aside from like the gun and, and a few of the aluminum parts, you're not taking paint down to bare aluminum or, or fiberglass right. or whatever. You're adding to the paint that's already there. Do you think that detracts from the realism of the weathering? When you look at a, you know, a Ghostbusters 1 and 2 hero prop and you see how beat up they are now, I mean, there's, there is no real artificial weathering on it. It's all just how the prop is. Yeah. Um, and it gives it a, a much more authentic look uh, compared to the weathering on the afterlife props, which is gorgeous. You know, I'm not saying, you know, before our listeners jump down my throat. Um that they're not beautiful, but do you think that the weathering on the afterlife props is a little more artificial looking compared to the originals? Yeah. I mean, when I first saw, you know, we, I'm trying to remember what our real first glimpse at those packs was in terms of like the weathering, when you could really tell what the weathering was like. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, oh, they went with the dry brush silver. And I don't have a problem with that usually if it's done well. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a lot of people tend to go way overboard with it. Sure. And I feel like the Afterlife pack, it's just it, it's, it just teeters just over the edge of being a little too much. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I also understand there's time constraints and, you know, they had to do what they had to do when they had to do it and uh i've gotten used to it now it doesn't a lot of it really doesn't bother me in fact I, I actually really like it now um 
that's good. I feel like there there is going to be a point where I'm going to do maybe like an idealized version where I kind of pull back some of that dry brushing mm-hmm. and, and try to go in and, and maybe see what I could do to make it look a, a little more realistic and, and something a little more akin to like the superhero and how it looks now, you know? Sure. Um, and not so battle-worn. You know, um, one of the things that I don't think we've ever discussed is, you know, I, I, people have talked about, well, why didn't they just use the original packs? I think I would be absolutely heartbroken if they had taken the superhero pack and cut it all apart to make it into the Phoebe pack. Oh, God. I, you know, it's, it's, and this could be a whole other episode, but like, it's such a weird thing that, you know, back then, Studios, they didn't give a shit about the props or their costumes. You know, they were just another part of the puzzle. And when they were done with it, most of the time they got, you know, if they weren't thrown into the storage, they were disassembled and and parted out and put into wardrobe rentals and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And now they're so revered and so cherished and... I mean, if 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 Sony had even thought of using, you know, the original packs in Afterlife, I think you would have mobs storming the Sony headquarters. <laughs> you know, like, don't you fucking yeah. dare! Because right. we know what's involved in, in movie making and stunts and all that, and it's like these things have survived this long; they're not going to survive another movie. You know, right? Um. So I worked on my wife's proton pack a little bit. Ooh, the uh, uh, the what is it? Eighty five percent bin of Kent. Yeah, it's a, a eighty or eighty five percent scale bin of Kent, and um, now I got to go back and repaint it. She didn't like it. <laughs> how did you? How like? <laughs> how did you paint it? Um. So she had mentioned that she wanted ox blood. Okay. Um. And. Uh, but she had mentioned that she wanted to Ghostbusters 2. And then a little bit down the line, she decided that she wanted to do a Stranger Things kind of inspired proton pack. Okay. And she modified that she wanted Oxblood with like forest green, hunter green um, kind of dry brushing on it. Okay. Um, well, I forgot about the forest hunter green part. And I ended up doing this really awesome thing where all the ribs on the pack... And uh, the rings around the cyclotron, those are oxblood red. And then the rest of the pack is normal black. And it is so cool. I was saying, I'm picturing it in my head. It's like, that seems really, really neat. It's really cool looking. I'm going to snap some photos of it before I repaint it. But um, I textured it as well uh, using just the the orange peel texture on, you know, a fine setting. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff works really, really well. Yeah. I've never actually used it on a pack and I can't use it on the afterlife when I'm building because it's got such a, a finer, like, like it's literally like truck bed lining. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to finally make a pack where I can use it and try it out. Um, it is, it's a little more aggressive than a screen used one. Um, but, you know, a, l- a little bit of sanding or some extra layers of paint. Uh, really, you could apply it and then do a filler primer. Well, that's that's what I was about to ask is yeah. what is the what is it like? Does it is it cure and is it hardened? 
It does. Okay. And it's it's almost like a can of like this I I don't I don't know, maybe glue and water. Um okay. it, but it's something for for texturing and you know you can set it on three different settings. So at least the the can that I got which was fine, medium and heavy. And you obviously don't want to use the heavy or the the medium. Um but the fine setting just gives it this really really beautiful texture and it came out so good. Um, and when I put the black on it, the pack just, it's just, it's so gorgeous. It's, it's shiny right now and beautiful. And I'm just like, oh, all right, I got to go back and repaint the whole thing. Oxblood. Um, so the whole, she wants the whole pack Oxblood. She wants the whole pack Oxblood, but, um, I'm really thinking at this point it, it needs to get broken up. Okay. I mean, um, I, I, I'm looking. I'm sitting here thinking, well, an all red pack like an oxblood that that's cool too. It, it is going to be cool, but I think I'm going to leave uh, a lot of the what would be aluminum parts on this one are are three D print. I'm going to give those the the black paint. That'll be cool. I I, yeah. I always enjoy seeing like you know the theme packs or custom packs or whatever but when they when they at least go with a at least a two tone kind of thing yeah um it, it's always it's you know like you said it, it breaks it up visually and just fun to look at it will be and like it, i i think it'll be a lot of fun to look at um you know reimagining it in my head so the booster frame um the booster tube ion arm and filter HGA, VAC plug, filler, beam line. Those those will be black. And then the rest of the pack will be oxblood. Um, and then do some very, very light brushing of that forest screen that she wants on there. And then on top of that, weathering it as well. Now, using a dry brush. Are you what? using like custom colored labels or are you going with different colored hoses and tubing and stuff? Um, I don't think I'm going to go that far. Okay. Because I think the black just grounds it, and you know she wants that Stranger Things inspiration, mm-hmm. but Stranger Things, it's not far off from Ghostbusters, as in what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's definitely an '80s show, lots of nostalgia. So I don't think there's the need to go far beyond changing the the colors of the hoses and things like that um i do think i might she she had this idea of you know christmas lights on it which i thought was really interesting and i've been Mm. racking my head of trying to figure out how i would include that and uh i'm almost wondering if i can get a cyclotron kit that is just white lights and then get different colored lenses that would for be the cool. cyclotron. So that you know, it'd be red, green, blue, amber. Yeah. And uh so there's there's definitely some fun to be had on it. Now are you um, are you gonna make the cyclotron a giant waffle? Uh nope. Okay. No. No. I, I don't wanna do anything that is in your face reference. Yeah. I want it to have that touch. So, like, even if it was the the cyclotron lenses are those different colors, I don't think I would add in the alphabet. Can you? I, I will see. I was just sitting here thinking of a way you could incorporate the alphabet, and I was thinking you could you could put it in the power cell. So as the power cell powers up, it says <laughs> run. 
<laughs> that'd be that'd be kind of fun. I like Stranger yeah. Things a lot. It's one of my favorite things. So like I'm all I'm all yeah, I'm no. all about this. Like I'm into this. No, my wife and I are massive Stranger Things fans. So I'm th- this will definitely have to be something that I might have to poke your mind on a little bit more. I was just I was incredibly happy with the texture of using the the orange peel. It was a very good method, and I think I'm going to like it even more once that next layer of paint goes on it. Um, especially because I, I got a little too eager in pulling some of the painter's tape off the ribs. Mm. Um, so I have a little bit of peeling here and there. That's weathering. Um, it, it's not when the entire <laughs> like layer of paint has come up. You know, because of the way the orange peel sets, it's supposed to be a layer kind of thing. So there's going to be a little bit of sanding down. But then once that now overcoat of box blood goes on there, I think it will work really nice. Or or in this case, the Rust-Oleum brand is uh, wine. You know, a, yeah. a Merlot color. Mauve. No. I know. No. I just like it's to say mauve. You just wanted to say mauve. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but I was happy with it, and uh, and then other than that, I'm just I'm I'm sitting on my hands, waiting for stuff, waiting for good weather. It's starting to get warmer, which is nice. Uh-huh. Uh, but still a lot of thunderstorms coming through, so we've been getting a lot of rain. It's almost there, man. We're getting there. We'll be able to paint in no time. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um. What's our let's let's get into our main topic today. We're going to we're going to get into it. We've spent 34 minutes now jabbering about nonsense. So let's let's do this thing. Listen. You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds and fungus. Why? Austin, this is an interesting topic for today, and I I hope our listeners really, really like it, because it's something that you and I have uh, intentionally or unintentionally been involved with in one way or another over the years of being in the Ghostbusters community. Yeah. Um, And it, it funnels into prop building. It funnels into prop making, specifically for Ghostbusters, and it's a lot of the myths, a lot of the almost these joke clubs mm-hmm. or perceived clubs that come around and then the withholding of information, the hoarding of information mm-hmm. as it were, and the reluctance to divulge information and the ins and outs of, of navigating that particular set of challenges in the prop making community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the biggest ones would be uh, the heavies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, khaki Crusaders. <laughs> yes. Uh, Zappa Kappa Trappa. Mm-hmm. And Ghostbusters Illuminati. The only one that, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a part of. Uh, so Ghostbusters Illuminati ended up becoming the heavies. Okay, so then, yeah, I guess I was. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when when you really start talking about it and realizing that there's an audience listening to it, I, I have to imagine everybody's first reaction is, what the fuck? 
are they talking about? Well, and that's kind of the reason why I wanted to talk about this subject in the first place. It's because it's so ridiculous. It is. But but there seems to be a lot of people that take it seriously to the point where, you know. I, I, they blame us. Yeah. They blame those groups as actual entities, as if they actually exist. And and the only two that actually exist-ish, and they're still gigantic jokes, would be Zappa Kappa Trappa and Khaki Crusaders. Yeah. And <laughs> let's start with one of the oldest ones, though. Let's start with the oldest one, which was Khaki Crusaders, which, who started that, Austin? I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and... I mean, and it—that's it, all it is. It's just a stupid joke, you know. And, but it's, it, but but it's. I guess it's rooted a little bit in reality because, you know, there was all this uh, debate over the color of the uniforms, and you know, oh, they're overdyed gray. Well, and at the time, we were really starting to get more concrete evidence and photos of the screen use mm-hmm. suits that were like really proving no, these are these are khaki. You know, they're not they're not gray, and. <laughs> I don't I like a lot of this stuff. The origins, I think, uh, probably started in the GB fans chat. Uh, yeah, it started in the GB fans chat, and I think you had um a banner. I still have a I, I have a banner somewhere still that I think you and I put in our signatures for a while. Yes, of Khaki Crusaders, which <laughs> which I believe really the only members were you and I, and I think Ron Daniels joined in for a little while. Didn't Jairus? Oh yeah, Jairus. How can I forget about Jairus? Oh my god, I'm so- you can't forget about. Jairus. I'm so sorry, Jairus, if you're listening. Uh, I love you. He's not. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure like this is not available on a wax cylinder, so it's <laughs> it's beyond his technology okay. level of well. Now entertainment. I, I got to figure out how to put him on a wax cylinder for him and mail him the entire catalog. So far, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's in a gigantic My Little Pony box. It'll be some kind of, almost like a Time Life subscription or something. Like every six months, he'll get ten episodes or whatever. So, so for context, of course, who the fuck are these people that we're talking about? Uh, Jairus Whitley is a longtime friend mm-hmm. of Austin and I, um, who he just has a fantastic eye for detail. Yeah. Um, and a fantastic eye for recreating those details. Um, especially, I would think, is his dye recipe for the charcoal yes, jumpsuits. Which is um, fa- still fantastic and it's still relevant, you know, still holds up. And still going around. Yeah. It's still something that people actively use. And Jairus put this together um, after lots of experimenting. And he's he's a fairly talented seamstress. Oh yeah, um, very DIY, uh, very Southern gentleman, which I love, mm-hmm. uh, but also Southern trash, which I love even more. It, he he's like a this uh, some it's like a rare blend that shouldn't exist. He's a man out of time. Yeah, I, um, I just love him. I miss him. I yes. haven't seen him in forever. Well, he's retreated what I suspect into his Appalachia holler and doesn't want to be seen. So, well, I know he's working on a Jurassic Park Explorer, so at least he's still he building is. stuff. Oh, he's still building, he's still creating it. And, like, I mean, he's gone to the point of uh, even replicating the interactive CD ROM, which is amazing. 
mind-blowing. So good. Mind-blowing that he could go from, hey, here's this perfect dye recipe for a Ghostbusters charcoal suit to, well, I, I just recreated the, the CD-ROM program from Jurassic Park. From scratch. It wasn't real to begin with, yeah. but I did. I did. I made it real. He, pro- scratch, he yeah. probably made it better. There's probably all sorts of stuff that his does that the, you know, obviously the real one didn't do. I, I would assume so. And then, of course, Ron Daniels, uh, um, for anyone familiar with GhostbustersFans.com, the Banhammer. Yes. Our our favorite Southern lawyer. Everyone's Mr. favorite Ron Daniels. Matlock fan, super fan. Uh, and Ron has, Ron has been in the community, I mean, uh, long, long time. I think Ron is the first person from the community that I ever interacted with. Um and became friends with. And we I still we still joke about it every once in a while. It was AOL Instant Messenger baby. Like we one of us reached out to the other on there. <clears throat> and uh he and I were just kind of briefly talking about, you know, other interests we have <laughs> besides Ghostbusters. <laughs> I think I had mentioned Star Wars and Star Trek and he responds with, "Well, I also enjoy Star Trek." And just like randomly, like every six or seven months or something, he'll just randomly text me. I also enjoy Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, he's I, I believe he is my longest running Ghostbusters community friendship friend. I yeah. mean, and it's a good friendship to have. He's oh, yeah. a great guy. Um, he's got a, a biting, sarcastic sense of humor. He's played so many pranks on me that have gotten my blood to boil. <laughs> he <laughs> from stealing batteries, to just, <laughs> but but he's <laughs> he's such an amazing guy. Um, I love him to death. So that that yeah, so that was Khaki Crusaders, and it was a club of it was a joke club. It was you know. The, the, I mean, the, the mission four, was real, right? Like, well, the mission was real, but it was just hey. The suits were khaki. Yeah. And uh, it just, oh, it, it, and it, so the, the next one to come around was then uh, Ghostbusters Illuminati. Mm-hmm. And this came out of 2009 going into 2010 when we were experiencing a, a renaissance within the Ghostbusters community. Yeah, the video game had come out, and there was, I mean, it was like the GB3 rumors were circulating and swirling more than they ever had before as a result. Yeah, uh, video game came out, PK Surge debuted, mm-hmm. uh, the comic book, I think, was uh, IDW had had just wrapped up, um, but we were still all high on it because <laughs> we could as ghostbuster fans at the time we you learned how to really juice the excitement out of one little yeah crumb for as long as possible yeah exactly um and uh, so the ghostbusters illuminati was supposed to be this uh chain of elite ghostbuster fans that had access to all the insider information <laughs> And knew all the details of everything, and everything was uh, ringleadered by AJ Quick, the owner and operator of GhostbusterFans.com. And uh, <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous thing. And they turned into the heavies. Yeah. 
there is a complaint by somebody saying, oh, well, we can't get any information because all the heavies bogart it. So, okay. So first, before we even go into the dispelling the rumors and myths behind secret pictures and not wanting to share, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to note how these kinds of people all come together. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that even in a community where everybody likes Ghostbusters, there's going to be people within that community who like Ghostbusters in different ways. Yeah. Um, There's going to be people like Fritz Baugh, who's amazing with Ghostbusters fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's, he's going to pull in, you know, fans of fan fiction and fan art and stuff to him and they're going to create their own little clique. Yeah. And the people who are really into the props and replicas, uh, they're, they're going to pull people into their clique, but those cliques are going to set off into cliques mm-hmm. and it's not intentional. It's yeah. I mean, this happens in any sort of such, you know, social situation situation. So what ends up happening is you have people who are really into the minutia and the details and the fact finding like Austin and I, that's how we find each other. Yeah. And that's how we became friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the friends I have in the Ghostbusters community, um, the really dear ones are the ones that are as detail obsessed as I am. I'm not saying that I don't want to not be friends with, people who don't give a damn i am i have plenty of friends who don't care oh yeah (laughs) you know and and i love them as equally but you still have these cliques that form out of people and they just start exchanging information Mm -hmm. and then become i think this almost intimidating hulk of a being where other people are are intimidated to to get introduced to them just because, well, we're all geeks, so we're all fairly socially inept. Yeah, <laughs> like it—it's almost like you know we start sharing this information with each other, and we're not intentionally excluding other people, but you—it it becomes this mindset of like, well, nobody else cares about this but us, so we're just going to exchange it amongst each other. You know, the right. other like-minded individuals that you know nobody else cares to research exactly what brand of black paint they used because nobody else cares. It's black paint, but the four other people I know that do care, well, we're going to do the research and we're going to exchange the information. And then somehow it all gets blown out of proportion or rumors get started. And like people start labeling you an elitist and they don't even know you, but yeah, but but you're, you're guilty by association because of other people or the click you're in or whatever. Right. Oh gosh. I, I tell you, the the number one thing that is said to me at conventions whenever I meet people is, oh, you're Dan Harshman. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wow, I, I heard you were you were a giant asshole, but like, <laughs> you're, you're actually really cool and really nice. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, 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 I work very hard to just try and be a nice person. Um, and then, of course, you have the fact that well, so these cliques have formed and everybody's growing together uh, in in age and experience. And then um, you end up 
networking out to people who can give us more information, which is taking those steps, um, making those leaps and bounds to to discover. So there is uh, an ambition, there's a push mm-hmm. to get more of that information. So you end up creating relationships with with the industry as well mm-hmm. to get those answers. And therein lies the the big thing is that the industry as a whole has massive amounts of NDAs attached to it. And uh, so you end up with these people who are privy to information that is blocked from public consumption by an NDA Mm -hmm. and they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends kinds of thing. And it gets around by word of mouth. And then you get these rumors of secret pictures and pictures that you can't share and people are hoarding information. First of all, let's make it perfectly clear that the Ghostbusters community is by leaps and bounds, the most open with prop information out of any fan community ever anywhere at any time yeah i mean just just join try just just try and get involved in the star wars community and get information like we have that's out there about these props from the people that are in the know and you're not going to get anything like they are so heavily guarded and like and and you know a lot of it is for the same reasons ndas you know all that sort of stuff but there are a lot of people that are you know well i know it and you don't we're going to keep it that way well and even beyond that you talk about star wars props you know i'm sure there's uh star wars doesn't have blueprints it doesn't have people that went out and took measurements of hero props and said hey I put these measurements together mm-hmm. in my own free time. Here they are for everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot with star Wars. It's a lot of, you know, trial and error and, you know, you, you gotta learn to do it on your own or, you know, try and strike buy up a, from someone. Yeah. Buy from someone who knows more. Yeah. Um, now there are a, a, a very small, outliers within the ghostbusters community who hoard information in that manner oh oh i mean every every community has got them but yeah you know there are there are people in the ghostbusters community that are like that absolutely but um and a lot of them kind of unintentionally get phased out because the community as a whole is not (laughs) terribly interested in them yeah i mean the ghostbusters community I, i feel like in particular has gotten to the point where we almost know just about everything there is to know in terms of being able to, to reproduce a really nice looking prop or uniform or whatever, Um, you know, in terms of like full screen accuracy and how things were constructed and, and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there's so much we don't know and we'll probably never know, but you know, well, the, the only things that we don't know, the reason we don't know them is because all the resources are dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to be macabre about it, but, you know, um, after some of our first few episodes when we we talked about it, you know, I did. I went through the credits of Ghostbusters. I was like, you know, can I find anybody who worked on this fucking movie that's still alive? And <laughs> no. Um. You know, even going from one of Michael Gross's uh, letters of 
provenance, he mentions who built the ghost trap. Mm-hmm. And I looked him up and, and that poor guy is gone. Um, so there's a lot of answers that are just six feet gone. under. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And it sucks, but you know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, which makes the community and the participation so super important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I started Spangler's 1984 workbench, I, I caught a lot of static saying, Oh, it's just a, it's an elitist haven. Um, and it's not, no, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not meant to be, it's not trying to be, it is my rationale was, well, we have forums for 3d builds, spirit builds, Hasbro builds, junk store builds, you know, answer the call builds. Why, why can't we have one that's for the, the OCD builds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a lot of information share in that forum that may not be shared anywhere else, but also at the same time there is, which is fine. I've, I've never boohooed anybody seeing something in, in the workbench and being like, Oh, I'm going to go and, and post this someplace else now because well, this is good information. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's nothing, you know, in the in the rules or the bylaws of that group anyway that's like you can't reiterate any no. information that you find here. Like that's not what the group's about. Like, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of like really deep dive, you know, research yeah. and, and we're gonna discover a lot of things. We're gonna post about it again with amongst each other because as far as we're concerned, nobody else really cares this much. Right. But if that information gets out to somebody else and they use it, great. You know, the more you can educate people about this stuff, whether it's important to them or not, you know, the I think that's I think that's great. So the the main inspiration though behind this was was kind of your fault. Um which was secret photos and and mostly with regards to the the Phoebe Proton Pack. Yeah. Well, so, even going as far back as 2009, you know, I had pictures that I couldn't show anybody or whatever, right? Right. And it's not that we don't want to share them. So, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean... I've had photos that have been shown to me from some of my dearest and closest friends who know that I would not share them with anybody else in the community. Mm-hmm that they don't send them to me because that was part of the agreement for them to get those particular photos. I've, I, and, and you have to just respect that Mm -hmm. because there's people's jobs that are on the line here. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people, yeah, they're, they're putting their jobs, their livelihood at risk by doing this for you in the first place. Yeah. Why would you want to, you know, I mean, it just blows my mind that that kind of thing doesn't cross people's minds when they think of like why people aren't sharing particular photos or whatever. It's like, well, somebody could lose their job over it. Well, a great example was uh, on Twitter um, before the release of afterlife, there was a prop builder who released some photos of a super weathered, I think just injector tubes. Mm hmm. And that was it. They were injector tubes. And he was like, hey, look at what I'm working on. And those photos got pulled 
Yeah. Like within the hour. And and, then, and they weren't even what was the final, you know, version. It no. was just a prototype. It was it was experimenting with weathering techniques, you know. And I had heard that that poor guy got pulled off the project too. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, that's that's the that's the severity. Well, and that's of that that guy <laughs> of these NDAs. Yeah, and that guy posted him himself. You know. Yeah. If you are working on a production and you send pictures to somebody you're not supposed to take in the first place, let alone send to somebody in the first place, and then that person posts them or or the information gets out and it gets back to you, you're canned. You're done. You so know, even uh, with with Jordan, you know, Jordan. Amazing. Oh, my God. The amount of detail he was allowed to share with us. But he had to get permission for all those things. Yeah, he had to wait until These, after the movie was released, you know? He had to wait until after the movie really was released. And even prior to him coming on, he made sure, and we made sure, that we understood the confines of our conversation. That mm-hmm. there were questions that we just could not ask. And that's okay. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the fact that we're at least being given this opportunity to ask these questions to someone who worked on the movie and that they were able to share the photos that they were able to share. And even Jordan touched on it during our interview with him in which, uh, you know, he wasn't there to take photos. He was there to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So he could only get away with so many photos and how many of them, you know, is he allowed to actually release? I, I don't, I don't actually know, but I would be uh, pretty pretty confident in saying that there's probably photos Jordan has that he just doesn't tell people about. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he tells some of his close friends, and but like I'm not going to go and be like, "Well, you're a you're a douchebag for not <laughs> releasing these photos to us." I like, desperately want to make an afterlife pedal, and I know somebody out there's got pictures of them, and I I. I ask every once in a while, hey, anybody got some pictures? <laughs> You're like and, a and I, crack. Thing. And I know somebody's got them, and they're looking at that thread, and they're like, well, I've got them, but I can't say anything. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? Like, I get it. I understand. So then it brings us to the <clears throat> describing pictures. Yes. Which is how most of the information actually gets out. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of people think, oh, it's just friends sharing with friends their photos. And that does happen a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I was shared some photos of Afterlife before it had completed. But it was, again, not photos that were sent to me. It was somebody else's phone. And it was a, hey, look-see. And that was the limit of what I was a- allowed to see. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I would have to describe it. Because that, that's how a lot of our information got out, um, is describing how something was put together. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, uh, your first VB pack, before we even got a real chance to see the actual proton pack, I think at that point, uh, we had only seen the wand because of the Mattel release the wand and um, and he, whatever you could pull from you know trailers and officially released yeah, stuff yeah the like couple shots of jason reitman inspecting a a pack but everything was always just a little unclear or hidden in shadow or angled yeah. a certain way 
Um, but you and Mikhail built Phoebe packs based off of verbal descriptions. Yeah, and it the whole thing started, you know, with the Phoebe pack because I got to a point where I felt like I could confidently pull off a relatively close interpretation of what we've seen. And I I guess maybe I could get it about 50% accurate, you know? Uh-huh. I just really was jonesing to start making uh, an afterlife pack, even though we knew hardly anything about it. But right. I just wanted to do it. So I started doing it. You know, I'd gotten a shell from somebody and I started, you know, there were a few things we could we could see from. I am so sorry if you just heard that asshole drive by. Nope. <laughs> okay. Sorry. There's people revving their engines on the street. Um there were a few things we could pick out from the trailer, like the, uh, the strain reliefs, you know, um, some of those details, we knew that there was the yellow cable and the, the extra, uh, bundle of cables, uh, that kind of terminated in front of the, the ribbon cable clamp, you know, into the cyclotron Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But like, there was a bunch of stuff we didn't know about. Right. But I started working on it, and you know, and and still, even though the movie's released and all this, I'm still never going to name names. But I, no. I had several people reach out to me as I was building this pack and posting progress photos on GB fans and uh, the workbench. You know, they were like, you know, hey, I have some information about the new packs if you'd like them, and I'm of course I'm like, yeah, of course yeah. I do. <laughs> I was shown one photo of a pack from the film. Um, Mm -hmm. I was described a lot of things, uh, some sketches and things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, all of this was prefaced by, well, you can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody where you got this information. You know, you can't share this image or these drawings with anybody. But it was okay to forward the information on, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, if if you post a progress picture and you've got a detail in there, and somebody asks you, "Well, hey, what's that detail?" You know, you can you can t- describe it. You can tell people. You just can't tell them where you got the information or show them how you know it or whatever, right? Right. And so, the more. I started working on it and the further along of the build I got, the more and more, you know, information I was being given and, you know, incredibly grateful for that. And it started catching on and other people started noticing the details. And there was a a handful of us that really started diving into trying to research the afterlife prop, uh, the Phoebe pack Mm -hmm. specifically. You know, me and, and Mikhail, uh, Aaron Norton, Matt Burkett, um, you know, we all really kind of pulled together and started trying to figure out as much as we could about these packs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we started, you know, we were trying to identify parts and, uh, you know, I was given a lot of information about like found parts that were new to the Phoebe pack, like the, uh, the Nutrick quick connector, 
mm-hmm. you know, on the back of the wand and that sort of stuff. But like, I was just told this is what it is, but it was up to me and everybody else to figure out what the model was. And, and then, you know, that led to a whole, a whole mess of, you know, there's three different versions of that, that one particular model. Right. And then you got to figure out which one's the accurate one. And, and, you know, lots of buying parts based on stock photos and then receiving an updated version, you know, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so, you know, at the end of the day, when I, when I basically finished the first version of it, I posted some pictures and I had made some comment about the clippered valve, like the disc with all the wires coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just started like, in the comments like going off about, you know, well, how, how do you know this information and, you know, calling bullshit and all this stuff. And it's like, guys, I can't tell you how I know the stuff, but I'm posting these photos because it's okay for me to post these pictures of my build. And now you know about these details, right? But everybody thinks it's just me being an elitist and dangling carrots and saying, How dare. look what I know and you don't, you know? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm, this is me trying to help people, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, it, it, it's a, this is the only way I can actually share this information. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and I, there was even somebody that was just like, you know, something along the lines of, you know, you can't, you can't just come in and, not reveal your sources. And I was like, well, yeah, I can, because that's, I'm not allowed to reveal my sources, but I'm allowed to, to show you this progress picture of my build that I'm, you know, making. And if you have questions about something, I'm happy to answer them in any way that I can. Right. But nobody ever asked me a question. They just started like throwing a fit about it. It's like, okay. All right. And so I took the post down because I was just like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to deal it's with too this. Too much trouble. It's I, yeah. I don't want the drama. I was I first of all, I was proud of the build. You know, I wanted to show off the work that I'd done and uh, you know, to my peers, right? The other people that enjoy this Care stuff. About that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I just took them down and I had my I had Ben remove my thread from GB fans cuz I just was like, screw this. This is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, then suddenly I start seeing rumors like in other groups about how Sony Sony had me shut down and had my posts removed and and then like <laughs> and then like people had taken screenshots of the pack and like started reposting them and one guy had like posted it on Instagram and just saying something like, you know, oh, the new Afterlife pack and then everybody started saying it was the screen use pack. And I was just like, what is going on? What? <laughs> like, this is nuts. What did you do, Ray? Yeah. It was It was just, it was weird. And I even, speaking of lawyers, I even called Ron. And I was like, Ron, am I, am I in some kind of legal trouble? Like, can I legally get in trouble from this? Like, and Ron's like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay. Because like... You know, and I and I and I start panicking about like, oh my god, are you know, is this going to blow up? And then like, are these people that help me out? Are they, you know, are they going to get 
in trouble somehow, you know, and I, and like, I felt really bad about it for a little bit, but like, thankfully it never blew up to the point where, you know, it was all over the place. It, it was kind of still like hush hush and just sort of like, you know, it's, you know, people talking in secret about like, Hey, Hey, did you see that, that proton pack from afterlife? You know? Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, nobody ever got in trouble, which I'm thankful for. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you risk sometimes, like even even trying to help people out and trying to put information out there while not violating, you know, NDAs or whatever can still get kind of tricky and risky sometimes. Yeah. And (sighs) and and again, it's not it doesn't come for, for me anyway. It doesn't come from a place of. I want to show off what I know and you don't. I I genuinely want to help other people be able to make an afterlife pack or whatever, you know? Um, And and there's a lot of people that, that messaged me privately and had asked for information. And, you know, I tried to help out the best I could to my ability and, you know, link them to parts that I knew were accurate and help describe parts of the pack that we didn't have pictures of. And, you know, and, some of it was wrong, but that's part of the process. It's part of the, it is, you know, the, the learning process and, and, and trying to reach that point where, you know, you, you can make it as accurate as you can. Mm-hmm. And, and then by the time we finally did start to get some really good official photos of the pack, it blew my mind how close my pack actually ended up being. Your and Mikhail's packs were absurdly close, given the uh, lack of information you guys actually had. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I don't usually, like, I don't brag about myself and my stuff, but, like, it impressed me. <laughs> like, holy crap. I mean, you should be very proud. I mean, I, I am proud of it. I'm proud of the... it was just a fun process and I'm proud that, you know, and as far as I know, I had a lot of people tell me that it was the first one, the first, like first completed Phoebe pack. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of a cool, like little badge of honor, right? Like that's a really cool badge of honor. I think. And, you know, I got to, I, I, I got to, you know, have all these cool moments of like camaraderie and research, you know, some of my friends trying to, figure this prop out and you know that stuff is fun that you know that's what all this is about i love doing research well, you never i remember talking to you about it and i did i bugged you i was like how do you know this stuff how do you know this stuff and you're like dan i'm not yeah i mean I'll, I'll describe things to you but i'm not yeah and like you know if there's somebody i'm gonna share stuff with that i can it's it's gonna be you mm-hmm. and uh and you're like dude i can't i i can't tell you who or why or what this is just this is how it was described to me and we had a few conversations like that mm-hmm. where i was getting frustrated but i mean at the end of the day but you dims the terms that's just the way it goes sometimes and and you know yeah. it's funny too because yeah, it's like if there was anybody that you would like break the rules for, it'd be like you or me, right, with each other. But like we, you and I both know that like if we want to keep being given these opportunities, and 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 if other people, you know, that have had opportunities to examine the screen use packs or whatever, like 
everybody has to play nice and, and play by the rules if we yeah. if we all want to benefit from this stuff in the future and continue to benefit from it and continue to be giving opportunities and things. So what about what about the people who they they want part of that benefit, but they're not getting it? What are they doing wrong? The only thing that I've ever really seen examples of is is people tend to they kind of get like they sort of throw a fit like you're hoarding information mm-hmm. you you're not sharing well, I'm gonna run and, and with my toys and go sit in the corner because you're a big doo doo head right it's a it's an attitude thing. it's an attitude thing and you're not making any friends by doing that. No. Like I am incredibly fortunate to have been given the one or two opportunities I've had to, to have access to certain pictures or information, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people that are way more fortunate than I am. I, I just, I try to be friends with everybody, you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't get upset when somebody can't tell me something. As much as I want to know the information that I know you have, I know you can't tell me. And if you can't tell me, that's great. I understand. I don't throw a fit about it. I just try. I just, I don't know. I just, you got to be nice to people. I think it's, a, it's an attitude thing. It's uh, um, getting rid of that chip off your shoulder. Yeah. I'm, and and I get it. I mean, I know it's frustrating. Like if somebody's got information, you know they have information that you need or that you want and they they won't give it to you. Oh yeah. It yeah, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And I totally get it, but you can't let it bother you on a personal level. You know, you can't take it personally because it's not personal. It's just I have I have literally had conversations before where I've been denied information. Um, and I was looking for, it was when I was researching the superhero, um, I was looking for specifics as to where certain holes were in the, the pack versus the uh, motherboard. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I went to somebody who would know and would have that information. And, uh, they're like, hey, sorry, I'm not. I've I've already been burned by this. I'm not talking about this anymore. Yeah, and that was it. I can't get upset at the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's his information. I don't think he was intentionally trying to 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 stop me from getting it. And luckily, though, uh, persistence paid off, and I was able to get that information alternatively mm-hmm. um, from a different source. Um, but being upset about it's not going to help it's it's not going to get you anywhere yeah and and i see a lot of you know attitudes over the dumbest stuff you know like i've been in forums where you know either myself or i've seen other people like post answers to questions right and you you know the answer that's provided is like well this is how they did it on the screen use packs or whatever right mm-hmm. and then you get these people that just come in and they're like yeah well I'm I'm not trying to build a screen accurate pack 
you know, I don't want your elitist bullshit. And it's like, oh, all the time, dude, I'm literally just providing you with an answer that I this is how I know how to do it. And I know this is how the screen use packs were done. Like, it's not me being an elitist saying this is the only way to do it. No, it's not. I did uh, very recently um, in in a different forum somebody had posted a question and it, but it was specifically asking how the screen used pack was done. <laughs> and, uh, and he got his answer, which is great. Um, it was an accurate answer, which I was super happy. And I was super happy to see the people that were responding to him were, you know, the normal helpers in the community. So mm-hmm. I always, like, I always really get excited. Toby, Toby is a great one. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've interacted with him humble as hell as mm-hmm. the day is long. Um, his builds are great and they just keep getting better. Um, and he is, he's always on there. If he has the information to, to share it mm-hmm. and I, and I love him uh, for that. And like this dude chimes in, it's just like, not everything has to be screen accurate. And I'm like, yeah, but what if that's <laughs> like, he's, he's asking how it was done. Like, so maybe that's what he, what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it, it's just it's okay yeah. to build from different schools of thought. Mm-hmm. But like if somebody's asking, hey, in the movies, how do they do this? Like it's just you know it's you, weird, man. It's very, very strange. It's almost as if uh sometimes people get offended that you're trying to build a screen accurate prop and i've never understood that i've never been offended by somebody building a spirit proton pack yeah um gosh one of the newest mods for spirit proton packs and and i gotta look up the name of the creator because i want to do an episode on spirit props Mm -hmm. um but it's a new cyclotron overlay Mm -hmm. and it and it just makes the cyclotron on the spirit pack look great and it's crazy Um, how that one change does so much for that pack it really does. Um, I would, I would want to f- just a slight change on that that particular uh, mod, but it's such a great mod, and uh, like that's a great way to go about it. Like I've never been offended by you wanting to mod your spirit pack. Spirit packs are great. They they've come so far, and they're they're so much fun for so many people. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay that I want to build something that's accurate. I have absolutely nothing against people wanting to build spirit packs do i do i lament that i think for some people it could make them a little bit lazy yeah yeah sure you can say um, that about a lot of things though yeah you can say that about a lot of things i mean i'm sure there's lots of people who will very happily just go out and grab a, a hasbro lightsaber and call it a day's done mm-hmm. um but like I've seen a lot of people with spirit packs uh, continue to bump up. They had so much fun building and modifying their spirit pack. They're like, you know what? I really want to build a full size pack now. Well, it's a great like introduction to any sort of like prop building or, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, just modding an existing thing. It can give you the confidence that you might be lacking to start. Okay. Well, maybe I can start doing things on a, on a bigger scale. Um, sure it, or even you know a lot of people that have started out building you know proton pack kits like full-size kits have now gone on to well they're gonna scratch build a shell you know mm-hmm. and i think that's awesome like i think that's kind of 
my biggest thing that I run into is I see a lot of people not pushing themselves to get better. And that's, you know, a lot of times I'll go in and, and you know, comment on something uh, or try to help people be like, hey, you know, this is a method you could try out. And because you're already going through this much trouble, like if you put just this much more effort into it, you can have an even better result. But also don't get upset. Yeah. If, if people don't necessarily want to compare their hyper accurate movie pack to your spirit pack. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, I think a lot of problem with a lot of this is tone. Like a lot of people true. can't read tone through the internet. No, they can't read tone through the internet. And I think everybody just wants to be included too, mm -hmm. which, which I get. Um, and everybody should be included. Um, but at the same time, like, it's such a delicate situation. I don't want people to feel like they're not included. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is very little room to discuss, uh, you know, this is how I built my thrower. Oh, well, this is how I attached my Hasbro thrower. Yeah. You know, it's just such it's such a fine line. It's a difficult one because, again, like you, I don't want people to feel excluded, but you have to understand that there are still different calibers onto these builds. Yeah, you know, not all cars are built the same. They're all cars. They have four wheels, a steering wheel, and a gas pedal. And you know, but I'm not going to compare my Scion XB to somebody's, you know, Lamborghini. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go up and be like, hey, check out the stock white paint job <laughs> on my Scion. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I still want to hear about it, though. Like, that's that's the thing. I think that might be the thing that people lose is that when they want to talk about their accurate props and then somebody with a, with maybe like a spirit build or a junk build wants to be a part of that conversation um, is that the, the people joining the conversation, I doubt are actually trying to compare their props. They're probably just trying to say, Hey, we have stuff in common. Yeah. You know, I built this too. I'm proud of it. And, uh, so there's there's a lot of give and take. There's there's one side of the room needs to read the room, mm -hmm. and the other side of the room needs to be more open to having people at their table. Yeah, I mean, and um, dude, we all have moments where we're like, "Oh my god, why would you do that?" You know? Oh gosh, yeah. But I keep I try to keep those moments to myself, though. I yeah, I didn't. I do too. Like, because sometimes I remember one time. I think it was a 3D printing group. Yeah, it was a 3D printing group. Somebody was, they were, and I still, I still don't necessarily grasp this for, you know, every build, but they were, they were 3D printing like the booster tube. No, I don't get that. And I'm like, and I asked, I was like, why would you 3D print a tube? Like they already sell tubing that's the right size, you know? Yeah. And I didn't mean it to be like elitist or snobby. <laughs> it was, but it, it was just like, like literally, I just don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around like, why would you do that? You know, I, I have run into that a few times where it's like, guys, these tubes are, 
Like your filament is valuable. Your machine is well, valuable. Yeah, because the way uh, <laughs> your time is valuable. My ration, cut, my rationale was like the 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 time you're taking to print that tube. You could be printing a different part that you can't scratch build or you can't already pick up. And and while that's printing, you can go down to the hardware store and, and buy a piece of PVC pipe. You know and yep. And and so. <laughs> I did have a couple of people chime in. They're like, yeah, well, I'm over in Germany and we can't buy those standard size pipes like that at any hardware ah. store. And I was like, okay, now All I understand. Right. But there's, yeah. I still see a lot of Americans printing it. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's $5 at the hardware store. It's a tube. And, but you know what? Some people don't have the tools to cut the pipe with a, with a perfect angle or whatever. Maybe people don't have a hardware store close by. Yeah. And, and I try to I try to be mindful of that stuff. It's just every once in a while I I, I just like what I don't understand this. Well, and and I think, uh, but again, you know, that's that tone thing going through the internet. Yeah, you don't understand. You just generally want someone to tell you why you would three D print a tube mm-hmm. that you and I take for granted for granted that we could just go to the hardware store and buy mm-hmm. and bless that gentleman from Germany to tell you, hey, these standard sizes just aren't available here. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't either. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a lazy American. I just assume everybody can get everything 24 seven anywhere in the world. Right. Right from Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have Walmart in Germany. Anyway. They have Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but bad. you know, Sorry. like, yeah, it's just, it's weird how sometimes I think people just get these like preconceived ideas of what what kind of a builder you are what kind of person you are based on what you're how you build how you like to build right yeah um or and this is and this is literally this is how the heavies in the ghostbusters illuminati came to be was this lack of discussion it also there's a lot of sarcasm in the Ghostbusters community. I, I think sometimes people forget it is, in fact, a comedy. Yeah. Well, again, that's going <laughs> a, back to tone, right? Like, sarcasm yeah. does not read on the internet. So, of course, what happens is all these poor guys start getting labeled as heavies because we're hoarding information. We have all the answers, blah, 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 blah. And uh, we just thought it was funny as hell. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm heavy. We're all talking about our waist size. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I I know some people that like Photoshop together. I think Borzu, um, who, uh, who runs Borzini's makes, uh, some really awesome patches and pins Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, he did the Hawkins Ghostbusters patch. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. He was sending me like, uh, different revisions of it, asking me my opinion. And I'm like, I feel, I feel so honored. I mean, it's an awesome patch. Yeah. Him and I, I think Lex San worked on that one. Amazing collab. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Borzu may have done a Photoshop of the heavies. And, like, we're all massive people. <laughs> like, we're just fat, fat guys. Especially. <laughs> like, are we are we talking about the information we know or <laughs> or our girth? Well, it's definitely, like, it's it's come true now, at least for me. Oh yeah! Oh, I'm the I'm a I'm a heavy heavy. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and what's funny about the whole heavies thing is like that was at a when it really started, like I guess taking off and becoming a like a a pretty prominent like running gag. I had started stepping away from the community, 
and I, I became aware that I was considered a heavy, like through somebody else. And I was like, what the fuck is a heavy? What? <laughs> and I had to have somebody explain to me what, why, why I was a heavy <laughs> and what that meant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I guess. You know. And then, of course, you have the final super secret club, which is the jokiest of them all. Which is uh, Fernando Hernandez's Zappa Kappa Trappa yes. fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fernando, we miss him. I miss him. He uh, he used to be a lot more uh, participatory in the community. He isn't as much anymore, but he lurks. I think he. He lurks. He lurks. He has a lot of really cool projects. He lives out in California now. Um, he was one of the uh, first guys to do a proton pack with aluminum parts and left the aluminum bear. Yeah. Uh, um, the tribute pack. The tribute pack. And it's it's it was an awesome build. And Fernando was just always like a vortex of energy. I mean, like anything you did with him, he decked out when he lived in New York, he decked out his uh, his SUV as a Ghostbusters car and just did whatever. <laughs> he parked in emergency vehicle parking and, just to see if he could and it would work, dude. And uh, and I just got to say that is like still today, probably one of, if not the most impressive modern ecto builds. Oh yeah, because he he didn't just sl- he didn't just put together a GB one roof rack and throw it on whatever vehicle. He 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 made revisions and upgrades and and updated the look of parts and, oh, yeah. and added you know things to it that like the uh, the radome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got red tape on it, uh, the stripes on it. You know, in the movie, well, he that motherfucker cut those. The, those are like actual channels around it with like lights in them that like flash and blink. And I'm just yeah. like, that is so cool. You know? Yeah. His, his Ecto was super cool. He, and he used the, uh, the Zoot Fly Ghostbusters logo on it. Mm-hmm. So it looked like it was spray painted on. He called it Pi. Um, yeah. Paranormal was... Investigations Eliminations. <laughs> and that was the thing though. He loved acronyms yeah. for, for silly things. And he's very much kind of a, a frat party guy. I mean, that's just his personality. He's got this great big personality. So his his final thing was like, I'm creating a Ghostbusters fraternity. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be called ZKT, Zappa Kappa <laughs> Trappa. And like it has absolutely nothing to do with it. it. It's literally like it just means you're one of Fernando's friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we ended up, he ended up uh, making patches and merch and pins and sunglasses and stuff for it. The pink polo so shirts is my favorite. Pink there. polo shirts. Yeah, I still have mine somewhere. Um, I never got one. It, it, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I may, I'll ask for his permission to bootleg one. <laughs> you should just like Sharpie it on. Oh, there's your mauve, your mauve polo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shade off of pink you got your mob polo yeah i like that and uh it, but it meant nothing and people ended up being like oh you're you're part of that group it's like it just means we're friends it's <laughs> it, just that's all it means yeah in fact i only recently within i think it was like 2017 did i i guess technically officially become part of zkt well before then you weren't our friend I was. I just wasn't in the fraternity. Mm. Yes, mm. I was. 
You know it. I don't know, man. You didn't share with me all your sources for Afterlife. This was way before that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's you know, I'm just asking questions. You got to see my binder full of secret <laughs> pictures at Dragon Con. I did. That was a whole other I thing. Don't... Yeah, showing me stuff at Dragon Con. That's definitely an event in which I will totally remember everything that happened. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, in the end, you know, I think what we're really trying to get here is like be nicer to each other about the props and like don't get too upset. If somebody has information that you don't have and can't tell you exactly where it came from, but also like read the provenance of the person who's, who's feeding it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you come up to me and you say, Hey, I can't tell you where I got this from, but I'm going to trust that information Yeah, um, because I know you, but also because I can look, you know, if I didn't know you, I could see what you had done, what you had built you know, in the past. Um, if some dude off the street just joins the forum and says, hey, <laughs> I have all this information, I, I might need a little bit more. I might need some corroborating evidence. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm not going to be, like, super upset at the guy if he can't share it. He'll just be like, well, we need we need a little bit more. I'm not saying you're wrong, just I need more. Yeah, and... Just try to be friends with people, you know, and yeah. but don't try to be friends with people because you want information out of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people can, can smell that kind of bullshit from a mile away. Well, that's the only reason you're my friend. Well, yeah, because you wanted to start a podcast and you needed a co-host. No, you wanted to start a podcast. Should we tell that story real quick? We should. I wanted to start a Ghostbusters prop podcast and... uh I had mentioned it to Craig Goldberg in passing, and he's like, oh, dude, you absolutely should do that. I was like, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll think about it. And then one day I get a text message from you, and you're like, so when do we start our Ghostbusters prop podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, so Craig mentioned it to you, huh? And he's like, yeah, but the only reason he mentioned it to me was because I had also mentioned to him that I wanted to do a Ghostbusters prop podcast. And Craig says, well, you should probably talk to Austin about that because he told me the exact same thing. It is true. Yeah. I've been talking to Craig for years. Like I wanted to find something. I, I, I love, I love yes, have some, I'm so proud of those guys mm. and the work that they put in. And like, I'm so happy for them and all their victories. And like, let's be honest, like the, the Ghostbusters, um, premiere in new york it it wasn't like hey it's the ghostbusters afterlife premiere it was more like yes have some presents ghostbusters afterlife <laughs> the premiere <laughs> i mean you know? it's the truth and to be honest it with is. you that you know okay being at the premiere was cool meeting bill murray very briefly was cool but yeah. like the most fun i had was at their like pre-premiere party because i got oh, yeah. to see everybody Oh yeah, you know, and oh, it was great. I don't. We don't. None of us see each other enough anymore. No, no. Yeah, the the once a year is definitely not enough. But uh, I I had been talking to Craig for years how much I admired their their stuff and like I wanted to do something where I could discuss it because I had so much fun, mm -hmm. you know, coming onto their show, and 
And finally, I was just like, dude, I want to do a Ghostbusters prop podcast. He's like, uh, yeah, you should talk to Austin because <laughs> serendipity, man. Well, yeah. And <laughs> so, like, and then I, so then I cornered you though about starting the podcast and like hassled you about it for months. At, well, at the premiere, like, so we're recording next week, right? I was like, dude, I don't even have a microphone. Like, I don't have any of this stuff. And you're like, oh, that's no excuse. You could just, you know, and I'm like, no, just, I I need like three weeks after this movie's over with to like process as a, and then we can do it. And I think I held pretty close to my you word. Held pretty close. I felt bad because like, I like, I went home and then, like, three weeks after that, I had a Facebook already up with, like, imagery and everything. And you're just like, uh, 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 what? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Look, we're here now. We're on episode 11. We are. We're on episode 11 and releasing almost every Tuesday. <laughs> almost. Almost. We're trying. We have, like, we have like a 35% accuracy. It's fine. You know, I think I think our two listeners or three listeners are are okay with having to wait a little longer sometimes. Yeah, they'll be all right. Well, listen, man, we're we're at that hour thirty six mark coming up onto that hour forty mark that we normally wrap up our shows. But uh, I can't believe we got... I can't believe we stretched this topic that long. Like I can't believe that it actually. I can't. <laughs> I feel like we could probably stretch it for another hour with anecdotes of people calling us assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like there's enough content out there of people calling us names and accusing us of being elitist douchebags. And you know, just as one little like final thought to end on, I guess. Yeah. Um sometimes when when you get called an asshole or an elitist, it makes you mad. Oh yeah. And nobody likes being called names. Yeah, I I I don't, again, I don't like being labeled elitist because of how I like to make my props. You know, I, I'm doing, it's just as fun for me to go over all the minutia and the crazy, stupid, tiny details nobody else cares about, but it's fun for me. Mm -hmm. And I get excited about that stuff and I like to share it. And sometimes I like to share that information with other people that necessarily didn't ask for it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and when their response is, oh, get out of here with your elitist bullshit, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm just trying to have fun like the rest of you. And sometimes you take it the wrong way. And yeah, maybe sometimes you respond like an asshole because you don't like when people call you names or people make fun of you. Sure. And that's not a good way to do to do things. Um, but everybody's guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. You know, we're all human beings. None of us are perfect. Some of us had good days, bad days, in between days. Absolutely. Just uh, be nice to everybody. And hopefully everybody's nice to you back. And uh, if somebody's not nice to you back or you're you're not nice to somebody, you know, just try and remember. Nah, fuck them. They're elitists. Yeah, fuck (laughs) them. I knew that was coming. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> no, just uh just try to remember that, you know, we're all people and you know, whatever. Nah, I think that's a, a good note to go off on there, Austin. So remember you can catch us uh we try to come out every Tuesday. You can always get us on our RSS feed. We are on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, um, and uh, RSS.com. Um, you can also catch us almost every Friday of a repost of that episode on YouTube. You can like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and always join in the conversation at Spangler's 1984 Workbench. So for the Black Firehouse podcast, this is Dan Harshman with his co-host, host in arms, Mr. Austin Elitist Young, <laughs> telling you to go out. And build something, but only if it's accurate. Yeah, only if it's screen accurate. Screen accurately. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Bye. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Ray has gone bye-bye, you What have you done, Mike? For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this thumb. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.